Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Hey, about, um, about four weeks ago, um, I was down in Kinloch, uh, just north of Taupo. Um, I had this foolish desire to run this an off-road marathon. What an idiot. I need prayer. Um, I do. But even stupider, this thing was at night, uh, and through farmland and bush and forest. And I'd message my sister, uh, who actually does these things um, for enjoyment, um, but like much more significant distances, and said, oh, do you want to... Do you want to run this with me? And she was like, yeah, of course I do. This is, this is what I do just for fun. And so she did. She came. And about six loads of us, uh, six bus loads of us, uh, left this nice, uh, comfortable little park in, in, in nice warm buses and then got dumped in this field, um, this, this farmer's field that, that um, just had a big hill just to start us off. And it was, it was wonderful. And so we turn on our head torches and, 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 and set off into the night. Um, <clears throat> we're so stupid. You know, like six busloads of people that need Jesus. You know, they need prayer. And, and about seven kilometers in, um, we, we've got this nice little pattern. There's a group of about eight of us running, and our head torches are like combining together to light up enough uh, to see. And there's these, these um, things that you learn along the way as, as you do these runs, and, and that you need to communicate uh, what's coming because the person in front can, here's a tree root, branch, puddles, this part's slippery. And, and so this group of strangers, mostly working together, um, mostly combining their light together, working well. But over the next six kilometers, this group of eight of us kind of split up a little bit more. Some people wanted to go faster, some people wanted to keep the same pace, and some people wanted to um, slow down, and some people wanted to quit. But unfortunately, when you quit, when you're in the middle of the bush, you've still got to get out. <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> And, 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 and then there was this, this ridge, and they call it a ridge, but it's more like this massive, huge Mount Everest in front of me. <laughs> and, we, and we got to it, and, and my sister was still with me, uh, being very kind and polite, and I just said, just, I know you want to finish this in a good time, just go. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, just go. Just go, that's fine. And, and about five minutes later, I look around, and it's just me. <laughs> it's my head torch and this hill, in the dark. And there were some decisions that I had to make. There were some adjustments that I had to make at this stage because I was no longer running with people who were lighting the way for me. I was on my own, and so I had to tilt my head torch right down. Now, previously, and, and when I run on the road, you look ahead. You look far into the distance. You, you can look as far as you can because as long as you're not running on Auckland roads, if you're just on the footpath, it's fairly smooth, you know? But when you're in the forest, you've got to look down. And I'm looking literally on the meter in front of me. Because that's all you can concentrate. That's, that's as far as you can concentrate ahead. It's not smooth. The, the terrain was uneven. It was slippery. There were rocks. There were tree roots. And, and one side had this pretty gnarly drop at some stage. Um, and I remember as I'm running and as I'm jogging and as I'm sometimes walking, looking straight down, thinking how different this is to what I'm used to doing. I'm never looking straight down. I'm never looking right at the footsteps in front of me. And that moment God was speaking to me, sometimes you need to look into the future. 
Sometimes you need to see what's far ahead, but sometimes you need to look right in front of you to take the very next step, to see the immediate next step that you need to take right now. And that picture's been like going round and round and round in my head today and, and, and this week as I prepared for this message, and I wonder if that's a message for us today. Sometimes we are looking so far down the road at where we want to be, the next thing we want to do, the next part we want to play, the place we want to be, forgetting or ignoring or unaware of the very thing that should be our next step after the invitation for Jesus to accept him, the invitation from Jesus to accept him as Lord and Savior. And that next step is baptism. And baptism is what we're going to do today. We've, we've changed around the service. We've created a little bit of chaos today, which I enjoy. I mean, having a sermon really early on. Um, so there is a chance to respond um, afterwards. If you haven't been baptized, listen and, and hear if the voice of God is calling you to take that next step. Baptism is this tradition that a lot of churches have and do. Baptists, that's us, we believe in a full immersion baptism and, and, and under the water coming up baptism. Other traditions, uh, they, they sprinkle water. They do that as an infant or as an adult. Other traditions don't use water, but, but that's the way we do baptism, a full immersion baptism. And, and baptism is this joining to Christ, joining to Christ in his baptism when he was baptized by John in Matthew 3. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Baptism is us responding to Jesus' invitation to be part of his family. Joining him in death, setting our old pre-relationship with Jesus' life into the grave. That's what we do as we go into the water. And as we come up out of the water, we join with him in his resurrection life, into the new life he has for us. And baptism has been part of the life of the church from its inception. And as we turn into Romans today, Paul brings this message to the people who are part of the church. And so we read in Romans 6. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. 
But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. (coughs) So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Jesus, thank you for the grace you continue to show us. Thank you that we are no longer bound to an old life, a life without knowing you, a life which results in death. For you came, you showed us life, you beat death, you invite us to be part of your family that lives forever. I love this passage from Paul. This one, this follows on from um, Gary's talk last week. That Christ has come and broken the rule of sin. Adam's sin that brought the curse of death into the world. Christ has broken that. The curse of sin is broken. Sin and death no longer have power over the believer. Now there's still a reality for the believer. Sin still exists for the believer. But we're no longer bound to it. And Paul begins the next part of his letter addressing one of the very human questions that the Roman church was asking at the time. And I think the question that we probably have pop up in our heads from time to time, well, if Jesus has forgiven our sins, and if Jesus will forgive our sin, what's wrong with dabbling a little bit over here? What's wrong with doing that uh, questionable thing? This is, this is, you can see their logic. You've done it. I've done it. I'll do it again. But Paul, answering this question, no. No, absolutely not. Flee from sin. If, if sin means grace, if sin is answered with grace, we can't... How do you, how do you put this? If sin is responded with grace, we don't sin more so that we get more grace. We change our lives, right, so that we can help others see grace. Because if we keep on sinning, once we've received Jesus, we, we, we don't see transformation. Yeah? We don't show the world that Jesus actually matters. We just think, oh, we've punched our ticket. And, and, and this is what the Romans were doing, and this is what Paul's addressing. The word that Paul screams in this passage, the one that he says, no, absolutely not. Meganoito. Say that again. Meganoito. What a, what a powerful word. Any word that starts with mega has got to be good, right? This is Paul saying, absolutely not. No way, not at all. By no means, God forbid, mega noito, do not continue in sin. Paul is emphatic to the church because we have died to sin. We can no longer live in it. And Paul then opens up this little, little nice reminder to the believers that they've been on this little journey from conversion. Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. 
Since we were united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Here we can safely presume that every person, every believer in the church of Rome was baptized. And this is where we focus this morning. Luckily, the richness of this passage follows into the richness of next week's passage, um, which, which we're also doing. So if you have been baptized, uh, you're not going to miss out on the richness of this sermon, um, unless you don't come next week. But come next week, you know, you, you'll see. The but here we're going to zoom in on baptism, because here Paul is talking, and he knows that those who are in the church, he, he's identified them as followers of Christ Jesus, and they have not only expressed that, that they follow Jesus with their lips, they haven't just said we follow Jesus, but they've taken action. They've been baptized. They have publicly identified that this is the life that they are going to live. They are going to identify as followers of Christ. They're going to lay down their old life in the tomb and the water, symbolizing their death to old self. And as they rose from the waters with Christ, they are born again of spirit and water, just as Jesus said was necessary to Nicodemus in John 3. We read, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. The act of baptism symbolizes new life in Christ. It symbolizes the death and resurrection that Jesus went to and allows us, it invites us to identify within our own life. For the believer in Jesus' day, in Paul's day, baptism was this immediate action taken upon belief. They were almost linked inseparably because for a person for that time, for a Jew or a Gentile, to identify as one with the risen Christ meant loss. It meant loss of family. It meant loss of work. It meant loss of community from the old life that they knew. But it also meant gain. Because there was the gain of life that Christ called them to. The gain of transforming to becoming the best of humanity. The gain of hope of eternity with God. The gain of a life within a new community. Adoption into a family that accepted all comers. That didn't distinguish between man and woman. That didn't distinguish between slave and free. That didn't distinguish between Jew or Gentile. They gained the church. And baptism identified them into this family, into this community. One not bound by the law, but bound to Christ through his spirit. People believed and they were baptized. This was the pattern of the New Testament. This was the pattern of the early church. In Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> 120 disciples of the Lord were just filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And as they spoke in tongues, a whole multitude came to the scene. The apostle Peter stood up and preached the gospel to about 3,000 people. And his call to repentance, after his call to repentance, they cried out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter responded, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. Again in Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached the gospel to the people there and healed their sick. As a result, they turned to the Lord and they were baptized. 
When the apostles in Jerusalem heard this, they sent Peter and John to the city of Samaria to assist Philip in discipling the newfound believers. But when they got there, they realized the Samaritans hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. So the apostles laid hands on the people and the Spirit came upon them. This, this pattern in Scripture from the time of Jesus' baptism is pretty constant. You believe, you get baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit. But there was, of course, a time when God acted outside of his normal pattern of doing things, which God is allowed to do. And in Acts 10, we read where Peter went to a Gentile's house, a gathering of Cornelius' family who wanted to hear the good news of Christ, a gathering that Peter, well, he wasn't sure if he should be at because they were unclean, because they were Gentiles. But God's words to Peter were, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And so Peter went to this gathering and he preached the gospel message. Verse 44 tells us, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and were praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they were baptized in the name of Christ Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. In this case, the Holy Spirit came pre-baptism, which again was an immediate response to hearing of the good news of Jesus. The Spirit being poured out pre-baptism was as much a gift to Cornelius' family as it was God's continued message to Peter and his traveling crew that Christ's message, that the family of Christ was open for all people, for Jews and Gentiles. But we still had these three linked events, belief, baptism, receiving of the Spirit. But the pattern changed, has changed these days. The, the, the pattern actually changed very soon after uh, the, the story, these stories of the Bible were, were written. Baptism became this thing that happened some time after people confessed Jesus as Lord. It became an added extra. It became an optional extra. Uh, once you're really actually properly committed to Jesus' thing, or once you've gone through the six or eight or 12-week course and the pastor or minister is seriously convinced that you're actually definitely a follower of Jesus, we might consider warming up the pool and inviting you in. I don't see that as Scripture. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. I don't see that as a, a, a thing that we should be following. Baptism was an immediate response to changing your life orientation to follow Christ. He calls us, he draws us, he invites us in, and we respond with word and action. And if you're waiting for him to tell you to be baptized, he's already said it all through the New Testament. Now let's be clear, baptism does not save you. Baptism is not this act of salvation. We know this because baptism is something that we do and we don't control our salvation. Yeah? Salvation comes because of the invitation from Christ, the invitation into his baptism. It's all about him. It's all through him, and it's only from him. Baptism is our response to who he is and what he has done. And it really should be the first step of active obedience as a result of the inward transformation that has happened as a result of us responding to his invitation. Jesus came and told his disciples 
at the end of Matthew, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Jesus invites us into his family. He invites us into his death, and he invites us into his resurrection. And this morning, I want us to respond together with how we worship. Respond with praise and adoration, with singing and dancing, if you want. Respond because of what he has done for you. Respond with prayer for the people next to you. Respond with prayer for the family. And if you haven't been baptized this morning, maybe respond to his invitation by joining Gary in the pool and taking that step of baptism that happens after you've become a believer in Jesus. His invitation is to lay down your old life and to join him in resurrection and new life and just see where the Spirit begins to guide you as you walk forward and as we walk forward together as the family of God. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, you came. You came and you lived a life guided by Holy Spirit. And you died for us to break the power of sin over our lives you rose again to give us hope of eternity with you. And Jesus, then you sent your spirit for us to guide us, to lead us, to empower us, to, to grow ourselves and to grow your family. God, part of being part of your family is, is being obedient to your calling. Help us to know your calling. Help us to hear your voice. Help us as a family to draw people in, to point people towards you, to empower them through your spirit to be who you called them to be. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your love. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.